Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Ecruel, Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Plenty of drama in that feature race, the 240th running of the Investec Derby, which was a very close finish, ultimately. We can take it right back. Um, one thing to, to point out on uh, the, the, the British runners, the likes of Bangkok and, and Telecaster, um, Ashim Murphy spoke afterwards, Jim, about he was happy with the way Telecaster went to post. But he was certainly one of the more het-up of the two, and um, Bangkok as well. And I suppose, ultimately the British challenge didn't amount to what we may have expected? Well, I mean, the, the, uh, the salient fact is without Aidan O'Brien and Kevin Prendergast, what sort of race would it have been? Um, uh, but you're right. I mean, there were two uh, significant chances, or appeared to be, uh, in the case of Bangkok and Telecaster. It, it might sound awfully glib, but I went to York. Uh, I saw Telecaster. It was his, obviously his fourth race in a short space of time. He was lit up in a similar way at York. Um, and although he got away with it there in a more competitive race over a longer distance, he just didn't help his chance by refusing to settle. You know, he was on it in the paddock. He had earplugs, which uh, Ashim took out at the start. And you just hope that the race doesn't leave a mark on him because he definitely looked a good horse at York and he clearly didn't show his form. Well done to Connections for having a go. And what we saw as well as the race unfolded, there was a lot of talk beforehand about... Sarah, what, what horse was going to go forward? It would be at one, be it, be it a couple. And um, in the end, there were three Aidan O'Brien horses right up. I think we, we came to expect that, given he, that he had a seven in the race. Is there any sense for you, and you, you've talked to, about this and about powerhouses in, in our sport, but is there any sense of, of it being unsatisfactory almost that you have over half the field from one yard where um, they, they get to sort of have horses positioned at, at certain parts of the race as they like? No, even though I said that about the same owners all the time, in this race, as Jim said, it would have been a poor race without all the Ballydoyle horses. Most of them had a very good chance. There was the odd few that was probably didn't need to be there. But um, like when they all went there with a chance and it looked like such an open derby, you can't really complain, I don't think. I mean, look at the, the finishes. There's a really good photo of um, the runners up. Yeah. And... Um, I don't think that means that it was a bad race, that they all finished close together. I think there's a lot of potential there. There could be a lot of good horses to come out of this. Races like um, the Eclipse and the Ark are going to be exciting later on, and I wouldn't complain if there was a load of Ballydoor horses in that race either. So, um, you know, once they're decent horses, you can't really complain. And it was a, a, an Irish photo, essentially, wasn't yeah. it? There, it was a race won by Anthony Van Dyke. There it is. That really is a, an absolutely brilliant photo of Jamie Heffern and Nearside and Anthony Van Dyke who, who switched to the rail. He, he was under pressure quite a way out but didn't ask stage him. 
I thought he would have been a really unlucky loser. I mean, people seem to be knocking um, the race. And, OK, in terms of pure ratings, it's hard to put a high rating on him as a winner. But he represented the best of the two-year-old form. And Shaney Heffernan got basically messed around a bit. I mean, he, he went to come out. Um, and then he eventually switches back in. So he couldn't really get his horse running until he got to the inside. Uh, naturally, they're, they're accelerating now, and every horse shows a tendency to go a little bit left uh, down the camber. But once he hit the rising ground, I mean, he made up, what, three lengths in the last, the last furlong? And for Shamie Heffernan, there was a real set afterwards. Aidan O'Brien was, as he always does, and is always brilliant at doing so, crediting everyone involved. But uh, there was a... A touching moment, actually, in the, in the, in the press conference where he spoke about Shamie, and, and I think it meant a great deal to him personally that a man that has been part of the team for so long got a chance to win his derby, Sarah, having gone close in the past, having finished second twice in the race. He's won an Oaks, but this was the one that had always just evaded him, and there was a, a real sense for the team of joy for Shamie that he, he'd got his derby. Yeah, well, he's, he's such a loyal member of the team as well. You know, he doesn't always get to ride, well, he rarely gets to ride the first string, but um, sometimes it works out for him, like in the Irish Derby or that. But uh, it was just, like, he puts all the hard work in, and he's a really nice chap as well. Um, I actually worked in Bandy Door for a little while as well, and he's really nice, he'd help that, you. That didn't put you off either, <laughs> No, no. Um, no, he's just a lovely fellow. He's a really shrewd rider as well, so it just seems like it was well-deserved. It was a, a record equaling. I mean, Tom, you talk about, uh, or you haven't used the word super sub, but he's seen by a lot of the British racing press as a, su as a sub. He's ridden 30 Group 1 mm. winners. I mean, that is an astonishing tally for anyone. And, but I think what that shows as well is, is the strength in depth they have in the camp. He was asked afterwards, again in the press conference, you know, are you annoyed or, 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 or do, you, do you regret that you don't get to make the decision? He said, I'm delighted I didn't have to make a decision <laughs> because I might not have got it right. Um, so I, I think that the, the, just shows the strength and depth they've, they've got there and it was highlighted by the finish as well. Here's what Winning Connections thought after the race. Jamie Heffernan has won the Investec Derby. He's been second twice. He's won it. Jamie, getting his hugs. Can I walk back with you? Many congratulations. What does that mean to you, Jamie? It means a lot. Um... I'm into the last 10 years of my riding career, so listen, I, I've been around plenty of derby winners. I rode his father in his trial and won it. I've seen plenty of them, and I've ridden them plenty of derbies. It means a lot to win it. Did you have a huge amount of confidence going into the race on Anthony Van Dyke? I'm always confident riding for Aiden. Anything can happen. It doesn't matter whether they're favourite or big price. He trains them all for the big day. That's where they all be. And the anticipation, Chevy, was he take another huge step forward from last time? Did he, did he do that? He must have done. Um, Aiden is inclined to train them for the derby, and some of them handle everything in run their best and some of them don't handle everything and disappoint. That's that's just the way horse racing is. Did you ever feel that this might be one that, that just avoid you? I don't know, did you ever feel this might avoid you and how happy are you that it has um, been? I haven't, I haven't had to take a pull going down to the two-pole, wait for a run in a long time, so no, I, I was confident I was, I was going to get plenty of money. And Aidan won his first derby with Galileo, you've won it here on a son of Galileo it, it all ties in nicely for a master trainer who you've got such a fantastic association with. Yeah, um, sure, we've a good team of backers and Yesterday wasn't a good day, but that was yesterday, so today's a new day. Shamey, many congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. It's a record equaling seventh Investec derby for Aidan O'Brien. And just looking at you and the family you got up there uh, when you were receiving the award, it, it seems to just mean as much as ever to you, Aidan. Well done. Ah, yeah, it's, it's very special, uh, Tom. It's really, we feel so privileged to be working with so many people. 
um, to be part of the everyone in, in Coolmore Valley Dial uh, for John and Sue and Michael and Doreen and Gay and Derek um, and all their families. Like I can't tell you really how privileged we are. Um, there's so many people put so much in from ever before the folds are conceived all the way up along to get to this stage and all the horses are born bred and reared to be here in Epson and uh, it, like for us it we're so lucky that uh, and John considers this to be the holy grail the, the test of the thoroughbred breed um, because they have to pass all the tests here they have to stay, they have to have agility they have to mentally they have to be able to adapt to different scenarios their mind has to be very strong so um and, and to come here, and like we come here every year with like some really well-bred horses and physic, physicals and and pedigree-wise, and it's it's so tough. Um, like we had a a, a, a line of horses d- down along the straight today, and we still weren't second, you know. So um, Kevin's horse ran an unbelievable race. He had him in unbelievable shape, and uh, if we didn't run the winner, we, we we wouldn't have won the race, you know. So um, no, so so privileged really, uh, and grateful to everyone. And you, your winner, Anthony Van Dyke, he came up the inside. We had a few winners come up the inside yesterday. You had a couple come down the outside who, who just got touched off. Did you just sort of, you know, you reload, you come back today, hopeful? Yeah, exactly. Like obviously, we saw yesterday the horses ran great races, but the two of them finished second. Um, Listen, it's, it's, you do your best and then you hope that the, all the, the ducks will come in a row for you. Um, like, obviously, uh, Seamus gave him a brilliant ride. He challenged down the inside. Um, Andrews in charge him, had, did a great job with him. Sir John, um, Sumi, who led him up. Uh, Wayne, who rides in work. Um, so it's, it's a big team effort. And, and they all... Uh, we walked the track and um, we spoke about whether we'd come down the outside or the inside and it was really what way the race was going to fall but Seamus knew that the winners had came down the rail yesterday, all the ones that challenged wide got beat yesterday, you know, and it's not always that way at Epson and you don't know whether it's circumstances or whatever but the ground looked very safe and level all the way across the track um, so listen, it was great to have work for us today And what does it mean to you Aidan on a personal level given it's Seamus that, that has ridden this winner, given the work that he has put into your team at home he's gone close before, twice he's finished second in this race. Yeah, Seamus works very hard we know each other a long time and he's been a big part of the team a long time so we're delighted for him like um like he knows how tough it is he, like he's placed in it a good few times um he knows how tough it is first to get on the right horse and then to get on the right horse and then to try and win it but always just because you think you're on the right horses doesn't mean it happens uh like when you go out in those races lots of different circumstances present themselves and like you can make the right decision or the wrong decision and then you you can make a decision and it can look to be the right decision at the end and and uh, and uh, you can make the wrong decision and then it looks to be the right decision so listen it's it's all about who passes that finishing post in front and and i delighted for Seamus that was him today um i delighted for the lads that they have another very 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 special horse that danced every step last year as a two-year-old he traveled the world and came back and this only his second run this year we always felt the minute he would step up into middle distance that we were going to see the best him and, and that's he's out of a, a very good Australian fast mare so um, and obviously by Galileo so um, listen he's a horse really to look forward to Tom Where was he at Lingfield with, with regard to where you wanted him how, how much of a step forward did he have to take to win yeah, this Yeah he was very Ryan was very happy with him in Lingfield uh, Patrick rides him work uh, uh, rides him in his canters at home was delighted with him coming here today um, we knew that he was just ready to start in Lingfield he had a, a little setback probably five or six weeks before Lingfield so he was just ready to start 
that but we felt that to come here he had to go to Lingfield Ryan was very impressed with him and he was very close to, to picking him and, and riding him today but obviously when Sir Dragonat was going to be declared he couldn't but ride him um, but he did move up from Lingfield and, and we, we always thought and hoped that he would and, and obviously he showed today that he did Is the Irish derby the obvious step for an Investec derby winner? I would think so Like we'll see how he is and what happens is always we, we see how the horse is the lads go home and they have a good chat amongst themselves and then they decide what they're going to do they ask us what we think of the horse and what condition he's in and then they make the decision but I would imagine listen we have the track in Ireland now and we have the we have the new facilities to stand like yeah everyone has to come and see it to believe it but we're, we're in a very privileged position to have a horse to be able to compete hopefully in, in that race if the lads decide that that is the path for him to go and I asked you about Galileo before the race he doesn't know he's side another derby winner but he has it is phenomenal aid yeah listen obviously you can see from uh, for the last 20 years or however long he's at stud his, his, his influence is just incredible and it's in the fillies as well as the colts and it's not a thing you can see from the outside it's an inwardly thing that a mental thing like they do not, do not know when to give up they're tough um, you go far enough with them they will win uh, some of them you can train them hard to be short like he's just most incredible horse he, he, he ticks all the boxes he passes all the tests like anything from six furlongs up along they, they, they will do anything and they'll, they'll take training and, and they will never go back from it um, what, what is very unusual some horses when you train them hard they wilt and disappear but Galileo's don't they stand up and they say like give me more you know it's, it's, it's a mental trait that you can't see from the outside but it's inwardly it's, it's a, a grain in, into them all and, and what's the really exciting thing he's putting in his mares are putting a hint to their foals from whatever stallion they're going to and like obviously we know what their stallion what, what their colts do so um, no, we're very lucky and privileged to be uh, training so many of them for the, for the lads really I'd like to thank you for staying around over an hour after the finish of the race to talk to us and everyone and many congratulations thanks very much Tom appreciate it and he went on uh, quite a trip as well, did Aidan, from uh, going and seeing Her Majesty the Queen to have to come round the, the back end of Epsom just to come and see us. So thanks to him for that. Um, you were making the point during the, that interview, Sarah, that he, he would never take any credit. It's unbelievable that he doesn't. A record equaling seventh in Vestec Derby for him, but it's all down to everyone else. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, you just wish sometimes someone could say, no, actually, Aidan, you were brilliant, you know. Yeah. He does some job. Just to run the whole show, to sell that many horses to run so well. It's an amazing achievement. And the other factor, I think, was they were coming off the back of a disappointing Friday, ultimately. They'd, they'd had a couple where... Disappointing by their standards. But, yeah, but yes, <laughs> they're quite right, too. But, you know, two, two horses go, go very two short. Two seconds running. in a group one, yeah, very disappointing. But Q got... Yeah, <laughs> devastating. But, but Q got as looking as though he was going to win his race. Yeah. Pink Dog would looking that he was going to go and win his... I suppose he would have come to the, the derby with a, a fair bit of confidence, given the seven and the, and the quality that he had. Well, when you, when you look at seven derby winners in 18 years, which is the fastest it's ever been done, uh, but only just, uh, and you think of all those early records when racing was very different, as of course, you know, compared to today when he's very different from uh, the way other people train and the horses that they get. Um, you know, when you're 200 of the finest bred to choose from. Uh, Robert Robson trained seven derby winners in 19, in, in 19 years. That's one more than Aiden. But he did it at a time when there was no transport. Trains came in 40, 50 years later. Now, he started at Lewis and trained a couple of them there. So you think that he moved to Newmarket and he trained another four or five from Newmarket and the horses have to travel and, you know, they had to walk there. 
So it, it was all very different. So is Aidan O'Brien better than Vincent, who trained six but only had 40, 50 horses a year? Uh, is he better than Robert Robson, who trained seven to, in 19 years? Does it matter? They're, they're all brilliant people. It, I mean, it's a, it's a, a very different era now, but the, I think the, the strength in depth domination-wise <laughs> has, has been ongoing uh, for some time and really looking back to, to when Galileo took their first. And, and it, it was a point he was keen to hammer home as well. That, that He was asked, Aidan, in the, in the press conference afterwards... Um, in fact, no, Derek Smith was asked in the press conference, who's more important to the operation, Aidan O'Brien or Galileo? And Aidan grabbed the microphone and said, I'll answer that, Galileo, <laughs> straight away, as he would say. I, I would say it was John Magna, actually, but I had, <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you think, Sarah? They're all important. I suppose they all are, maybe Urban Sea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Oaks and, uh, and Pink Dogwood went very close. It was won by John Gosden, another one for him and Frankie Dettori and Anna Perna. And uh, we'll take it back from the start. Um, this was uh, one of the races where, which we've just said were disappointments, perhaps too firm, but uh, it certainly looked mm. a furlong out as though a Pink Dogwood might be taking this race. Um, Frankie Dettori, he was, as ever afterwards, um, loving the, the moment. And, but I think there was an element of him looking back at what's happened over the last four years, and it's still hitting home that he's, he's, he's bang at the top of his game again, and he's, he's won another in Vestec Oaks on a, another very talented filly. I mean, Frankie's a fantastic rider, and it goes without saying his record tells you that. But he's also someone that a handful of people in his life have been very important, probably don't get the credit. I mean, firstly, um, the missus for putting up with him, because um, you know, she's a handful of children. Well, she's an extra one, because he's like one a lot of the time. Simon Crisford, who was brilliant for him at Godolphin and wouldn't take any nonsense from it. And, you know, when he won his championship and uh, in recent years, John Gosden. John Gosden knows how to play him. Um, he doesn't overwork him, uh, he uh, gets the best out of him, and he is a brilliant talent. I think that there was a moment where Frankie went up on stage and sort of did, did you know, and John just sort of stands there and puts his hand on his shoulder and says, yeah, yeah, yeah yes, Frankie. But there, there is that element, isn't there, of almost sparring, I think, between the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Fr Frankie needs to be loved, and, um, or appears to be, and the crowd love him. I'm pretty sure John Gosden loves him and he can ride like hell. And over 20 years after really where, where Frankie's career started, before he made that Godolphin move, they're now enjoying <laughs> more success than ever. Um, what about this, this filly? How talented is she? How important is it that actually both of the winners came from, from the Lingfield trials? Well, it is, it's interesting this year that that's the way that the cards have been played. Um, how do the trainers see them? Well, the art closed last week. And three fillies in that field were put in the art. Pink Dogwood, um, John Gosden's other filly, Meshay, you can never quite pronounce it. Medai. Me yeah. Medai, sorry. Um, and the winner wasn't one of those so maybe she's not seen in quite the same light here I thought Pink Dogwood was going to win well didn't you? Yes if, if the the winner hadn't won that would have looked seriously impressive I mean a lot of people were cribbing Roy Moore said he went a bit too soon but when you look at all the traffic problems in behind like maybe you know you can't blame him for trying to get you know, if he had been in, in the middle of the field, it would have been, it might have been different. You might even have seen that horse coming. You know, there's a lot of questions back further in the field. You know, what might have been the other Gosden filly had a trouble passage. Perhaps the Hamdam horse didn't stay. Then um, she looks quite nice. So um, I think she, I think she, Ruby Walsh was in the paddock with us and said, "Yeah, yeah Max." And looking at her, he wasn't sure that 
that she was going to see the trip out and she travelled really well but perhaps she didn't quite get there. James Willoughby is going to be on the phone talking to us about, about sectionals with this race comparing them to the um, Coronation Cup as well and, and, and his thoughts on perhaps who was the best filly in the race but I think you know one important point about the idiosyncrasies of Epsom here I think were highlighted by Pink Dogwood's run almost she she came like the winner from from the lowest point in the straight back to the finishing post we see it there it's a 12 metre climb and that may just have, have found her out at the end of the race well the, I mean there is an old phrase paralysis by analysis but I remember Ryan Moore saying um, on Channel 4 five or six years ago that Epsom on a Friday is always harder to ride it's harder for the horses and harder for the jockeys because they rail out from a mile out so the horses are pushed higher up the camber mm. so you're asking an animal to stretch on something that's pretty unnatural for it uh, with regard to Pink Dogwood who is an absolute knockout in the paddock gorgeous powerful filly when she made this move here the one thing she looked at in her trial was oh she was screaming for a mile and a half and yet near the end I'm thinking well did she really get the trip and it, people say Ryan went too some people have said Ryan went too soon but it, never mind Frankie catching him all the other horses are catching him the, the front the front two having gone four or five lengths clear are a couple of lengths clear at the line I don't know maybe the energy wasn't used efficiently maybe um, she didn't quite get the trip I don't know let's see what winning connections thought after the race Annapurna has won the Investor Cups, trained by the man to my right, John Gorston. First of all, many congratulations. What was your uh, feelings watching that, John? Well, she had a dream trip. She's on the inside where you get boxed, but Frankie found a lovely little gap. Rather like Defoe did in the Coronation Cup. Brave, but got the gap, saved the ground, and I thought she was very brave. She's bred by wonderful owner breeders. The, you know, they, they have their stud farm and they breed a lot. They've got a horse running at a derby tomorrow that they offered for sale. So, look, for owner breeders like this to win the Oaks is what it's all about. And it's a first British classic for Frankel as well. You've gone close before with the Frankel, but that's important in, in a sense for the, the wider breeding world. Yeah, very much so. You know, yeah, Cracksman was a little bit unlucky in Ireland and things. But uh, I want the way she fought back here. She, she was passed and then she put her neck out and went for it. Medea, unfortunately, the other filly had what we call a very rough trip. She was nearly knocked over twice. But I like the way she fought back, and, and Frankie and Ryan, I assume, battling away as usual. Uh, many congratulations, John. Let you go and enjoy it. Thank you. Five of Vestek Oaks for Frankie Dettori. 25 years, Frankie, after that first one. How, how does it feel in comparison to, to that one all that time ago? Well, it feels great. I mean, uh, when you're a kid, you don't realise the importance of the classics. They're very hard to win. Uh, today's was my 18th, and I, I managed to pass one of my great friend and uh, mentor, Pat Edry. I sat next to him for the ball part of 15 years and, uh, you know, they are to win and when you do win it, you want to enjoy them. Just take me through that race because it, 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 did you always have the filly in the position you wanted, just tracking the pace on the inside? I was, yeah, I, was, I had a good position but I, I, the horses I was following, they weren't the best ones and uh, I was strapped for room a little bit then when I saw Ryan and uh, Jim Crowley kick, they got three lengths on me. I thought, oh, God, the race is over. But as I looked up, it's still two furlongs to go, and I know my filly will come home good. And uh, when I hit the furlong marker, she was motoring then. I thought, right, this is the, we, we got this. And uh, she showed uh, great determination. She was very brave and uh, improved a lot from Linkfield, and she's getting a very good very good filly. And boy, she stayed, because when Ryan said go, he, he made up quite a bit of ground quite quick, but then your filly, she battled. Yeah, and we pulled well clear of the third, so they're two very, very good fillies, and, uh, yeah, it's amazing uh, how much she's improved since Linkfield. She travelled through the race really well today. Was it an out-and-out -out choice for you to ride her, or was it not as simple as that? Well, I'll be honest with you, I never rode the other one. 
uh, I think John made the decision for me and I've got to thank you for that because uh, if you have to squeeze my arms I would say on visual view I thought Medina Chester was a better performance than uh, Annapurna in the Linkfield uh, Oakstrau so but hey that's the way it goes uh, Sometimes it's better if I don't get the shoes. And is it all the more special in a way for John, given what's happened over the last few years? We're, we're four years on since Golden Horn and that, that rejuvenation for you. And here we are. You're still winning classics, frankly. Yeah, when A-ball and then this, amazing. Uh, you know, I, I, it hasn't sunk in yet. You know, really, I came into the race with a hope. Uh, so I was able to enjoy it a bit more because I didn't have the pressure of riding a favourite. So I was nice and relaxed and things worked out. So it was, uh, it was a good day. Are you enjoying your career as much as ever now, Frank? Yes. <laughs> Why, you want to get rid of me? No way. <laughs> Cheers, Frankie. What up? He's not going anywhere, and we'll discuss that, actually. He, he, he wants to, to stick around for the chance to get to, to ride against his uh, currently 14-year-old son, and, and uh, be fascinating were that to happen. That was Annapurna winning the Oaks uh, for Frankie Dutori 25 years after his first and a, a fifth success in the race for him. Just a, another thing I want to touch upon, it relates to, to what we're seeing here. We saw... Jim, some social media fallout about the uh, winning groom, Torfi Kalam, being moved out the way as she was stood about to, um, to enter into the paddock. And, uh, and the owners getting a lot of criticism in the immediate fallout of that. Um, uh, it's a growing trend, I think, we've seen with uh, complaints that owners get to lead the, the horse in and the, and the groom doesn't. In this instance, I don't think it was quite as simple as that. Well, I think it, you know, the, the visuals... Uh, snippets a few seconds long may convey one impression, but I'd be absolutely astonished if those owners went up and sort of said to the, the connections of the, the travelling head lad and the lad, out, out, we want a picture. I think what happened, and I, I don't know, I wasn't there, I've only seen the, the stuff on Twitter, is that the travelling head lad moved um, the, 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 the groom aside so they could get that picture. I don't think there was any intent to... To, to upset him or to, to sideline him. And John Gosling was very quick to say, you know, no, you lead him in, and that message clearly wasn't communicated. It's just events in the heat of the moment. I think a lot's been made of it, and it, not a lot needs to be. Well, I think it was good that we saw the, the, the shot um, subsequently of, of uh, Rachel Hood, actually, in the main, and John Gosling going over and, and, and grabbing Torfik and saying, come on, get, get, get in there, you, you want to come in. Um, he was kissed repeatedly by Frankie de Torrey, Torfik, as well, so I'm sure on the, uh, in, in the, the winner's enclosure, I'm sure he'll remember that for, for years <laughs> to come. Uh, but, uh, look, I, I think it was Sarah slightly taken a little out of context. I think it's also important to remember that in that moment, you've just won an Oaks, everybody... Everybody, it's almost difficult to remember your place and what's going. The owners looked a little bit shell shocked at that point as well. And you've just won an Oaks. It, it all goes by like that. Yeah, I, I thought it was very unfair on the owners. Actually, you know, the the money they put into this game and their owner breeders as well. And this is not every owner's dream to be able to lead your horse back into the winner's enclosure at Epsom. I mean, it's not as though they elbowed the chap out of the way. Um, the head lad did pull him aside. Um, so I, it's the kind of thing that gets a lot of, you know, repeat viewings on Twitter and that kind of thing. But uh, I, thought, I thought too much was made of it, to be fair. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai first guest is already in you might say that she has racing very much 
in her blood daughter of the man that they call Fast Eddie. She's been around some of the finest horses of a generation, had stints in Australia, uh, one with the Gay Waterhouse, back at home with uh, Jim Bolger, champion jumps trainer over in Ireland, Willie Mullins as well, and recently set up training on her own just over two years ago, Sarah Lynham. Welcome yeah, along. about two years. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad you're here as well. Eventful night last night here when you when you turned up for your hotel and then had to oh. rearrange and scramble suddenly. Well, my plane was delayed. Then when I landed, someone's bag fell out from the locker and hit me in the face. Then my hotel was cancelled. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't mean to laugh. Yeah, that's not necessarily. Oh, funny I left the plane with ice on my face because I was like, I can't go on the show with a big lip. No. But um, yeah, I'm here now anyway. Good. So it started well. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, how? How would you sum up, if you can, the, the last, well, nigh on, on two years when you took out a licence on your own? Um, it's been a learning curve. Um, quite stressful, but I'm absolutely loving it, I have to say. Um, maybe I'm just like an eternal optimist, but I always think there's a winner around the corner. Anytime anything works well, I like, bounce off the gallops and things think things are going to turn around and might get a nice horse. So, no, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's different. I was always, when I was working with other people, I had my ideas and my notions that I thought I was terribly clever, you know. Um, I was bar manager and willies and that, and I'd be thinking, maybe we could do this, 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 and this. And now I know that um, it's not so easy. <laughs> so if you if you take us on a on a sort of a, a timeline of, of what happened... Um, with regards to, w- to where you learned. Where, where did you start, obviously alongside your dad, but when you first branched out to, to go to another yard, where was that? Well, I was pottering around at home, but uh, my parents didn't want me to train. Um, so dad said I'd better go to Mr. Bulger. Um, he wanted me to get a fright, and he thought that would teach me a thing or two. So I worked there. It was only about uh, three months or so, but I really enjoyed it. You know, it's it's a bit like an army camp there, but everything's done so meticulously, and it's just kind of what I hoped a ra- like a big yard would would be like. Um, so then I told Dad I, I'm going to go to a jumps trainer next, and he thought that would really put me off. Um, and I think it was actually the worst winter Ireland had in ages. But I, I just I loved going to Willie Mullins. I was there. He couldn't get rid of me. I was only meant to be there for two months, and I think I stayed two years. Um, so I love the idea of Eddie at home ringing Jim, ringing, ringing Willie, saying, she's still keen, what are you doing? Yeah, well, people off. in the yard at home had bets with me that I'd only last such and such. So, um, no, I'm a bit stubborn. I was like, no, I'm going to stick this out. And um, then after Willie's, I thought I'd like to see something different. Um, and I didn't know much about Australian racing. To be fair, I was probably a little snobby about it. Um, I was like, oh, their ba- biggest race is, an, is a handicap. Um, but sure, it might be fun for the winter. So then I went to Gaze and I could just change my mind completely. Um, it's such an exciting racing, racing scene there. So many talented people and she is a force of nature. Mm. Um, I'd say that was the making of me. Um, so I was with her for about four months, but then I came home because um, I kind of wish I stayed in Australia longer, maybe gone to a few other trainers, but Dad had a lot of good horses coming up. Um, and I knew there was a big year ahead. So then I came home and I was with Dad two years, I think, um, when he had all the good horses like uh, Sobar and Anthem and that. I'm not taking any credit. I was just there <laughs> along for the ride. But um, no, so that was brilliant. And then I decided to train. So that would be around about the 2013, 2014 mark yeah. where, you, where yeah. you came back. And I mean, that, 
I mean, for, for, for you to be part of it, and it being such a, a family business as well, if you like, that must have given you a great amount of satisfaction, and to, to see those, that Royal Ascot travel, for example, with your, with your dad to be there must have been amazing. Oh, it was amazing. You know, I always thought, Dad, if he, if he got the horses, he'd do well. You know, he'd, he's bought a lot of horses cheaply over the years and done well with them, but they'd been sold on. And I suppose credit to the powers, they didn't want to sell Soul Power, and they kept him, and he's such a fun horse. And then he bred, along with Sabina Power, bred Slave Power, mm. and we knew the family well. A girl Power had been in the yard and her relations as well. So just when you know, it's like on a human level, it was family related, but then the horses as well, we knew them inside out. And we got great trips abroad, like to Ascot and York. We were in France. I went to Obama Mass to Singapore. Uh, Soul Power to Hong Kong, he ran a cracker. Did you, um, when he won the... the our course did you go to Dubai? Yeah, I was there as well. So it's just, it was unbelievable a couple of years, you know. Um, kind of miss them now, but uh, no, we did enjoy them. Do you learn more, or did you learn more in those times, or do you feel that perhaps you learn more when things aren't going so well, if you like? Um, I, no, I think both. I'm, I'm very open-minded. I'm always, I'm, I'm always trying to learn and watching things closely. Um, I suppose before I was watching the big races on telly and, you know, they looked easy and that and I didn't have to worry about boxing a horse over and bringing them here and there. But uh, just when you're in the middle of it, you know, you do learn learn a lot. But um, I don't know, and then when you're starting training yourself and you've gone from horses like watching Soul Power or Fiorente or Willie Dever going fly that and you're training the low-grade handicappers and you're struggling to find a race and you're struggling to get into a race, then you're presented with a new set of problems. Um, so yeah, I'm still learning. <laughs> was it the, the time in Australia? I'm interested in not just because of the horses you were working with, but because of the the nation as a whole and, and their their appreciation of of horse racing. We're going to talk later on today about the sport making the front page, but it's it's Champions League finals making the front page. It's it's not necessarily the Investec Derby yeah. over there. Did it open your eyes to something quite different? Those big days, do they quite easily transition to front page news? Well, at the time, Wings hadn't taken off or anything, so I suppose it wasn't on the front page. And you would there's a few kind of groups there that are quite anti-racing as well. There'd be big billboards around the place that you wouldn't get here mm. who are anti-racing. But then you go racing and it's packed, and the people aren't there. You know here. There's a much smaller crew, and at the races in Australia, it's, it's like everyone goes. You know, obviously there's a cliche about Melbourne Cup races stops the nation, but every big day is like that. And it seems that lots of people are members of syndicates, and it's not really like over here where they seem to be syndicates for cheaper horses, and that even the big, the, the kind of the Group One horses can be owned by syndicates, and the races have different bunch of owners in them. And then it, I just thought it was interesting how horses compete over the same horse could run from seven furlongs to a mile and a mm. half. It's just something different, and it's, I thought it was quite vibrant and kind of a young scene as well. Whereas I came back to Ireland, and uh, this, like we have some great trainers, but it's kind of the same old faces the whole time. And you'd like some young blood injected into it, you know? Mm, I know exactly what you mean. I think there's a. We're very much in, with owners in a transition phase as well. Michael O'Leary talking about yeah. about what's going going to happen with Jigginstown House Stud and, and the fact that you know really that's centred around his children having other other interests. Um, Godolphin, who at one stage were, were were looking as though they were going to, to stop injecting money the the, the Yorkshire Oaks etc. I know Dolly are now sponsoring that again, but there was um, there was possibility of, of of 
their involvement not being as, as large as possible. And I, I suppose that next generation, we're, we're at a stage now, perhaps with UK and Irish racing, where you need to you need to keep that generation interested for even for the big powerhouses to keep investing that money. But you, you think over over in Australia, perhaps they don't have such quite big powerhouses, but they, they've, they've almost got the young generation in. They've got them interested. I think so. I mean, when you're working in the yards there, yeah, there's a lot of Irish and English people actually. So behind the scenes, you know, maybe the Australians can't take as much credit, you know. Um, but, but then at the races, I just felt that there's something exciting, young and confident about it over over there. Um, so that's quite alluring. You know, we perhaps don't have that over here as much. I mean, I'm a hardcore fan, but if you're just wandering to the races for the first time, is it is it what you expected? I mean, I think in Australia and in Hong Kong and Singapore and those countries that I went to, I thought they treated owners particularly well. Mm. Um, and I, I just think in Ireland, anyway, I'll get slated for saying this, but they don't treat them as, as though they're as special as they actually are. I mean, they, even if you own a small horse, you pump a lot of money into the game. And I think you have to make racing more aspirational, you know? There has to be a bit of glamour to it, I think. Um, actually, David Power was in the house recently, and he had um, a race card from the last day racing in the Phoenix Park. And just when I looked through the card, so many different owners, um, there, was, there was a painting of people at the races and so many different characters and it just seemed like the now obviously it's meant to look brilliant but the place was heaving and now like you might wander to the Quran Guineas Day and it won't be teeming with people so mm. yeah something does need to be done Luck on Sunday proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai we're here at Santa Anita with jockey Flavian Pratt. You're atop the jockey standings here. A banner year having been named the official winner of this year's Kentucky Derby. I want you to take me back, though, just to before that week and that weekend. You had never ridden Country House before. How did you obtain the mount? Uh, well, um, I know Alex Solis, who managed uh, the, the connection of the horse. And uh, we've been good friends. And uh, so he asked me if I would like to ride a horse. So, of course, I say yes. So being out here and, you know, as I say, being at the top of the standings, do you think that puts you in a good position with those East Coast trainers? If Alex wants to go to the Hall of Famer, Bill Mott, and say, you know, Flavian's available, does that make him look at you in a different light with the success you've had here? Well, it pro I mean, it definitely helped. Uh, no, it doesn't mean that, you know, they have to go to me first, but it definitely helped, yeah. You've spent some time riding back east as well. Have you had a chance to get to know many connections back there and to keep your options open this time of year? Um, yeah, I mean, I, st I started to build a little bit of business on the East Coast. It's it's harder because most of the time I'm here and uh, you can you can be everywhere. But but I'm starting, you know, having connection and uh, and as of right now, everything goes well. Going very well. Take me into the week leading up. You were on the favorite for the Kentucky Oaks with Bellafina, so I'd imagine you wouldn't expect things to turn out the way that they did. She didn't run her race, but Country House certainly did. Take me through the trip, though, with him. Everything that you remember from start to finish with the Derby. Well, we had a great trip. He actually broke quite well. Um, we were on the outside, so it was perfect. I, you know, I didn't have to rush him, and uh, I mean, we uh, entered the first turn in a good position without being too wide. So I thought it was great. Um, I mean, on his races before, I used to be really off the pace. Where that that day was actually pretty close, and uh, and you know without asking him. So I thought it was a good, good, I mean, a great thing. 
And uh, then we entered on the backside. I was traveling really well, actually. was really surprised. And uh, and after that, you know, I just tried to get my my way through uh, through the last turn and uh, and and uh, turning foam. And after that, uh, it was history. It was history. Maximum security did come out. He did impede the path of quite a few horses. How significantly did you feel like your horse was affected by what went on? Well, I thought I was affected. Uh, I didn't know how much. So that's why actually I, I climbed far. I thought, you know, I thought I've been pushed out. It, it's hard at that time of the race. It's hard to tell, you know, if it was a lot or not. And, you know, it was a derby and I'd I didn't want to get back to a jog zoom and regret all my life that you know I didn't do my best. So I thought, you know what, let's uh, let's 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 look at it, and, uh, and that's what happened. It took the stewards 22 minutes to decide. The longer that they were looking at it, and the longer that you watched the replays, what was going through your mind in that time? Um, well, we were actually happy to run second. Uh, I mean, I think the old connection would would be happy with the second place. But uh, as you know. The longer it takes, the better it is when, you know, I mean, in my position. So, so I thought it was pretty, uh, I mean, the longer it takes, I was like, what am, am I going to take him down? And, well, when they took him down, it was it was a great feeling, you know, a relief. And, uh, well, if, you know, I mean, you feel bad for, for the connection of the maximum security, but, you know, it's part of races and it is what it is. It is, and they have to adjudicate the races, whether it's the Kentucky Derby or a race on a Thursday in the same manner each and every day. Did you have any words with Luis Saez afterwards just to sort of kind of smooth things over? I know there wasn't any hostility, but I imagine it's difficult in his position and also difficult in yours to really soak up the win when he had it taken away. Yeah, it must be difficult. We didn't see each other because uh, after after the race you get to go to you know, a press conference and stuff, so we didn't see each other yet. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it must really really hard for him, and, uh, you know, I, I, I understand his position. I know you're a perfectionist, so I know, is there a part of you that wants to go back out there and win the Derby again and just have it be all yours, no drama, none of this going on? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely want to now cross the line first. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, at the end, I'm a Kentucky Derby winner, and we're going to try to do it again. Talk to me about the second half of the year. We're coming into June. What are your goals as we go through 2019? Well, there's Denmark. You know, we're going to go to Denmark, and now you got to find a good two years old for the for the end of the year and the, the next year so you you know you can't you can't slow down end of the year also has the breeders cup right here at your home track does that give you an advantage do you think yes i think i, mean, I think it's a definitely a, an advantage because you ride horses to run all year long on that track and you know the track really well you know so i think yeah it is, it is an advantage you know the track better than anybody. What would you say to any European riders that will be coming over to ride this track for the Breeders' Cup, whether it's their first time or just their first few times being here? Well, I think it's one of the best tra- track in uh, in North America. Uh, we have a great turf and uh, a great dirt too. So I, th- I think, I mean, we, I mean, Breeders' Cup has been run f- several times here, and I think it's one of the greatest places. You've ridden all over the world. What makes this home for you now? What makes California feel like home, or does it feel like home? It does feel like home. I mean, it's uh, our life. So I mean, life's so good. It's it's amazing. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Bastiat Cruel Dubai.
Major Aquarius on the far side. Neck and neck as they race up towards the line. Right of passage and Pat Cullen lands the Gold Cup. Beats Major Aquarius. Covered Lovers in the lead for Pat Cullen. Kirby and Jack Naylor trying to bear down. But it's covered love for Hugo Palmer. who's going to win the darling Irish Oaks for Pat Cullen. Free Eagle showing in front. The Grey Gatsby is trying to get to him and he's making progress. Free Eagle shows in front. The Grey Gatsby is closing with every single stride. Free Eagle just hurting to the Grey Gatsby. And running up towards the finish. Fascinating rock. Revenges the defeat last time of Bowden's success days. The Tarzan is pulling out more. And it's Tarzan in the colours of the Arthur Card who has won the Investec Derby. But perhaps Mullen has done as well. And here he is alongside me, Pat Smullen. We were looking back at those. I just said to you, I packed the Grey Gatsby that day, Pat. How could you do that? And he got a troubled passage, but you just said to me that was your best ride ever, you think? Uh, probably one of my better days, yeah. Um, there was going no pace that day, and we were sitting back a little bit and moved up into a good position and just was the right place at the right time. How does it feel now, you, you looking back at, at those wins, those memories, because... We, we, we speak to, to ex-jockeys who have been forced sometimes to, to quit, um, not necessarily on their own terms and in their own time. And actually, I think some find it harder to almost watch back those those memories because you, you feel that there's still a sense of, of what might have been. How's it for you watching them? Yeah, back? no, no, I must I take pleasure in watching them back, to be honest with you. Um, I suppose what's after happening to me, you know, if it was injury or, you know, or you just went out of favour and your, your career had come to an end, uh, it, might be, it might be more difficult to take. But for me, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, for me, it's just reality that, you know, I'm very lucky to be where I am at the moment and, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. So uh, while it was a great career, I know it's over and, and it's a time of moving on. But, uh, no, I look back with great fondness looking at those great, great days. I said the last 15 months would have taken some getting used to. It's been, I would imagine, a whirlwind for you since you were diagnosed with, with cancer of the pancreas, where you immediately, of course, had to stop writing and uh, went uh, with your family into a, an altogether very different battle. How difficult is it for you, or easy for you, to, to sum up what you and, and, and your family and the team behind you have been through over the last 15 or so months? It's quite easy really to sum it up. I mean, it was uh, obviously very, very unfortunate what happened and, and devastating for us all at the time. But uh, but it's a, it's a case of getting on with it then immediately. You know, uh, you know while I said uh, racing was everything for me, prior to getting uh, getting sick and uh, you know my whole life revolved around racing and uh, our, our lives revolved around racing but uh, that quickly changed when uh, something as serious as this happens to you and uh, it was a case of uh, the, the, the illness took over our lives and that we had to just get stuck in and try and deal with it and uh, and it was all consuming really because uh, with treatment and then you know preparing for surgery and getting through it so I mean, you know well you might think that it'll be devastating if your mind is active you're all the time trying to just get through this and meet the next goal and uh, so the time actually went reasonably quickly for me but uh, as I said, until I had the surgery, then things slowed down a little bit. The recovery was quite difficult. But uh, but when you're in the middle of it, it's a case of getting on with it. And uh, I suppose that was the same as what I was when I was riding. It just was a case of getting on with it. Did you have any idea before that initial diagnosis that 
that something was seriously wrong? Were you open to the possibility of, of, uh, of your mortality and something being seriously wrong? Not really, no, to be honest. Uh, you know, I knew there was something serious as, as it went on. You know, from the middle of the previous season, you know, I was getting back pain and I was full sure it was after pulling a muscle or I was thinking back did I get a fall or a wrench or whatever and I was getting a lot of physiotherapy as you would anyway, you know, I would get physiotherapy regularly and uh, but the pain wasn't going away and if anything it was getting worse and I got through the season and went on holiday and <clears throat> I was hoping that it would disappear with a bit of time and rest but uh, while I was on holiday I was getting physiotherapy, getting massages because of the pain was getting increasing all the time and you know I, I had some blood tests and which I regularly do and uh, you know well nothing was showing but uh, eventually then uh, when I came back and was getting prepared for the for the upcoming season uh, it, this, I just knew that this is not right and mm. uh, I went to a great uh, Dr. Adrian McGoldrick who is obviously uh, we all know how great a man he is and uh, you know he, he realised it was something a little bit more serious and, uh, and, and then obviously set me on for the test but then when I went and had the tests I knew straight away that this was something very very serious. Do you think being a jockey and, and, and that's a career I think we associate with with pretty hard men, be it flat or jumps, what you put yourself through day in, day out. I think we'd associate many with having a higher pain threshold than most. I mean, in some ways, did, does that mean that you, you weren't aware of what was going on as soon as you may have been because of what you do, and therefore you, you kept on thinking, well, you know, look, it, it can't be that bad, or it's, it's a bit of pain, I'll deal with it, if you like. Yeah, I suppose you could say a little bit of ignorance. Uh, you know, you just sort of, again, I keep going back to, you know, and it is the mindset of a jockey is just, you know, just keep going and get on with it. And, uh, you know, the thoughts of missing a day or being out with injury, you know, you just don't envisage that and you just don't allow yourself to think that. So, yeah, I mean, I was kept pushing on. and uh, But, you know, realistically, I probably should have went and got myself checked sooner and uh, in knowing that it was a probably a little bit more serious than, than a, a pull muscle. But uh, I think that's the mentality of riders is that you just keep going and, until you have to stop. And uh, uh, and I suppose it is a tough it is a tough game and you have to be a t tough skin to to, to uh, succeed as a rider and uh, especially at a, at a higher level which I'd like to think I was at for, for a, a number of years of my career and uh, you know that when you get up there, that the you know the pressures of riding for a big stable and uh, big owners and on big days, you know you have to be mentally strong, and uh, so you know that that's the way I, I approached. You know, thankfully that mindset, I was able to bring that to to getting through the the, the illness. Did you decide that pretty much straight away that you, you hear of people being diagnosed with 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 such serious things as this, and and they say. I knew I was going to get through it. I mean, did you did you approach it like that straight away mentally? Did you tell yourself? Did you believe that this wasn't going to stop you? Very much so. Yeah. Um, you know, I just initially the shock, shock is the first uh, thing emotion you you, you uh, experience. You know, so your your mind is all over the place. But then, you know, I was very fortunate. I was in a very very good hospital with excellent staff, and I've been on record that I had a conversation with a with the head nurse in, in the on the ward, and she put my mind in the right place and how to go about this and uh, and then a huge support from you know obviously great family and uh, friends and and a lot of people within the industry and uh, so you know that that was very helpful for me to get through it but uh, 
But yeah, you know, it's uh, you, you just I, I never ever felt that this was going to beat me, and uh, you know, I, with that said, I always had huge respect for what I had to go through, and you know, it was very very serious. But but I just I just wasn't ready for it to to, to beat me. I remember reading that you'd be there, you'd be undergoing your treatment, and you'd, you'd almost feel surrounded by really sick people here, almost, almost as if you weren't one of those, but of course you were. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I suppose you have to have that mindset because I, I genuinely feel that if, if you start to let it get in on top of you and start to think negative thoughts, I, I just have a feeling that the illness would, would thrive on that and, and then eventually it would wear you down. So, uh, you know, I always went about it that you just get in, get the treatment, the treatment was going to work, have the surgery while it was a very very big surgery and uh, it was a very difficult recovery I never never one day did I think oh this is getting me you know I never did and never allowed myself to think that way and uh, and uh, thankfully you know we've come out the other side or, or, or getting there anyway so um, you know so th as I said uh, thankfully that that was the mindset that was very very much needed I think you, you say coming out the other side so just where are you at the moment? You, you've obviously you've you've announced that you're you are no longer going to to ride. You have officially retired. That in some ways, Pat, is, is because you're healthy, because you are at a certain weight, and, and a race riding weight wouldn't be a sensible one for you to get down to. So, no. in some sense, health wise, that is entirely good news. Oh, it's extremely good news, and it was at the at the end of the day, it was a very very easy decision for me to make. At the beginning, of, yes, of course, the, the dream and the fairy tale would be to get back to race riding and. Hopefully, have ridden yesterday. You know what I mean. But uh, did, did you believe you you could? Did, was that do, a do I, there was a thought, yeah. You know, and I, I, I said, you know, I could do this, and you know, I could get back to race riding. And uh, what did the family and, say? And, and, uh, look, Francis would always be in, uh, with everything that I've done in, uh, over the over the years. Look, whatever you decide to do, we're here 100 percent behind you, and that was brilliant. But. But I think deep down they were hoping that it wouldn't happen because, you know, going back to the lifestyle of all the wasting and sweating and, you know, the, trying to keep your, get the weight off, uh, you know, I think I'm a, a lot ha happier person now than I was when I was for the last 25 years. So uh, so I, I don't think they, both my children and, and Francis didn't want me to go back to that person. But, uh, but no, as I said, but realistically, if I was to sit down and at and, and the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, it probably isn't the wisest thing in the world to, to go back. And, and one day it hit me, I was just after the surgery, you know, the, the surgeon came in with, with his team and, uh, and they were really happy with how things went. And, uh, and they, they, I was just saying to myself, how could you go back to abusing your body to get down to a way to ride horses after all the good work that they had done to, to make me better? And... That day, I made a decision that I wasn't going to ride again. How different uh, a person is Pat Smullen now to to the the man that that rode Harzan to both those Derby victories? Well, I think a lot, a lot, a lot different. I think a lot more content, a lot happier with life. Um, uh, and as I said, uh, you know, the the simple things in life make me happy now. Where uh, before, you know while you were riding and I think it's the, I think most riders would uh, would admit this but maybe some wouldn't but uh, you know you've never enough you know even if you won the derby it was it's all about the next day and you know and delivering and riding winners and and, and you put a lot of there was no pressure being put on me from 
Dermot or Ion or so. Of course, they wanted results, and there was, a, but but you put self pressure. You put a lot of pressure on yourself to achieve, and and I always felt that you know I'd never rode enough Group One winners, I never rode enough winners, and you know I, I, I was you know nine times champion jockey. All I ever wanted to do was to be ten times champion jockey to get it into double figures. That's the mindset that you had. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, but I think that I think you have to have that little bit of. Madness in you, maybe if that's the word to to keep pushing you forward, to keep achieving, and uh, but that, but as I said, now I'm very very content with life. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. You've been listening to the Luck on Sunday podcast, the weekly digest of the best bits from Luck on Sunday, the program that brings you the best guests and insights from around the racing world.